millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Am I tough enough? Strong and stable leadership. Total rhubarb. Hell yes, I'm tough enough. Shut the fridge. Not another one. It's the Politics Show Pubcast. Love podcast, hate nonsense. It's the Politics Show Pubcast. <laughs> Uh, today we are joined, as always, by Avi Santino and special gl- and special guest SNP MP Mary Black. Like, Hi, Anna. How did you feel about that intro? Uh, it's the best I've heard. To be honest, <laughs> the best I've had. You're you're firmly anti nonce. Anti nonce. I think that's a pretty standard position. Well, you, you don't know. Like that's you know, the whole gallop with yeah. <laughs> Just, well, this Joe exclusive. <laughs> yeah, I like that you choked over special guests. You couldn't get it out. You were like, "Oh, this has been written down. I've got to say it." I've got to say special. <laughs> no, no, I was, off, I was off the dome and said, "I'm not good at not good at that." We're here to react to today's uh, PMQs, so let's jump in, Mr. Speaker. His party spent thousands of pounds on adverts attacking plans to build three hundred thousand new homes a year. At the same time, his housing minister says it's Tory party policy to build 300,000 new homes a year. So is he for building 300,000 new homes a year or against it? Prime Minister. Well, Mr Speaker, I can just remind the honourable gentleman of our record uh, since being in office. 2.2 million additional homes, Mr Speaker. Housing starts double the number we inherited from the Labour Party, more homes meeting the decent home standards, housing supply up 10% in the last year that we have figures for, and in the last year we had figures for, we also saw a 20-year high in the number of first-time buyers, Mr Speaker. That's a Conservative government delivering for this country. Mr Speaker, it wasn't a difficult question. Um, So, can he point to a single person in housing, in construction, anywhere, who thinks he'll actually hit his target of 300,000 new homes a year. Anyone? Anyone. Prime Minister. Uh, Mr Speaker, the record is that in the last three years, 
we've delivered almost record numbers of new home building in every one of those years. But, but Mr Speaker, he talks about targets, so let's be clear. I promised to put local people in control of new housing. I delivered on that policy within weeks of becoming Prime Minister. But I am confused from the Honourable Gentleman, because first the Shadow Community and Housing Secretary said communities should have control. But then he then said we should get the targets back and disempower local people. I do want to give him some advice. I don't think it's local people that are the problem. It's a Labour Party policy. Mr Speaker, presumably if he could have identified a single person who thought he'd hit his target, he would have told us. And there you have the problem. One minute he says he's for building new houses, the next he's campaigning against them. And the truth is, far from delivering, since he crumbled to his backbenchers and scrapped mandatory targets, house building has collapsed. He knows it, they know it, and every expert is telling them it. Why didn't he just admit it? He's not going to get anywhere near his target, is he? So, do we think Sunak is doing enough on housing? <laughs> That's a silly question, isn't it, really? <laughs> no, no, no. I meant, like, I mean, it's a good question that you've said. Sorry. Um, <laughs> No, look, I mean, okay, so the, Keir Starmer's talking about the targets that haven't been reached. Um, Rishi Sunak and the, well, actually, it was Boris Johnson's administration that promised there'd be at least 280,000 homes built every single year for the past five years. They've missed that target every single year. So that's what Keir Starmer was trying to point out today. Sunak refused to admit that was the case. Yeah. See, it's, it's interesting because usually Keir Starmer could bore you to tears like, <laughs> it, it, it takes uh, like because he's got six questions it's almost as though he, he wants to take the scenic route through yeah, yeah, yeah. before he asks a question but this week I actually thought one of his better sessions mm. I think he's getting he's kind of changing his tact a little bit like I think mm. the last couple he has gone straight in with like a quick fire question mm. and I think he's trying to prove that Sunak refuses to answer anything yeah. that's leveraged at him mm. but actually Personally, as the viewer, I find it quite boring. Yeah, I suppose, <laughs> totally. that, I suppose that ultimately it's not for the viewer. I think that's like maybe... This is not a spectacle. I don't know what you mean. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, but, but, but I think taking, it's taking the scenic route. I don't know, it's more poetic. It's what they do in like the, the 19th century. But it's rubbish though. <laughs> no, it's like, no, it, even it in the chamber, me. it's like, gee, God, just get to the point. <laughs> like, we all want to ask something, just hurry up. You know, it's... You get six questions, stop hogging it. Yeah, because even like today I was thinking why... Like, he's right to go on housing and everything, but he, he should have flipped it and, and that he's saying, look, is it not the case that the Tories aren't building houses because nobody can afford to live in them? Mm. Like, mm. It, tie the two things together, but he, he never seems to do what seems obvious to, yeah. to us. And, like, a great point would be about, you know, are you refusing to build houses because you're trying to protect, you know, supply mm -hmm. for landlords? Yeah, you Really, exactly. like, get in on that. Exactly. But, I mean, what's what's your housing policy looking like at the moment? I mean, we're in, like, you know, state of yeah. mortgage disarray. But where are you on all that? So, I mean, like, the SNP, they've always... They've got a good track record when it comes to house building. Um, the, the main thing that we did was uh, stop the the sale of uh, council housing mm. because that's one of the chronic issues is folk just can't get a house because they've all been bought up mm. and they're all being let out by usually not great landlords. Mm. Um, so I think that was a, a major step in a different direction, certainly in Scotland. So it's 
still the problems are there. You know, everybody's mortgages are going up, everybody's rents are going up, and that's where it's firmly at Westminster's door. <laughs> what are you doing in Glasgow? Because that was a big issue at one point, but that's mm. kind of like curtailed off a little bit. Is that just like a student surge? Because the issue was kind of around September when no one could get a house. Oh, Glasgow, at Glasgow Uni. Yeah. 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 Is, that, is that more under control now? or like? It, as far as I'm aware, I've not heard anything about yeah. it. Yeah. No one's there. Everyone's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, but you're right. I mean, it's extraordinary. I live in a house that's, uh, I think most people do in big cities, ex-council houses that mm. are now being let out by landlords. Yeah. Absolutely extraordinary that that's allowed to happen. See, when you're sitting at Prime Minister's Questions as the SNP, obviously the SNP are in power in Scotland, mm. but not in yep. Westminster, obviously. But what are you thinking about as a party or as a unit? Are you thinking just purely as opposition to Westminster? Or are you also thinking about the Scottish government when it comes to approaching questions when mm. it comes to holding? Yeah, no, there's, there's definitely, I think about both, um, to tell you the truth, because I was actually, I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, how in Westminster, like, British politics has moved so far to the right that what is considered centre mm. is, to me, is still right wing. Like, mm. It's not actually centrism. Um, so in that sense, from where we're at, it's, it's kind of easier to oppose in Westminster because for me, the lines are so much clearer. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. well, I don't support that. I fundamentally am against that. Um, and the difficulty then is, of course, when you're up the road in Scotland and government, it's trying to strike the balance between making life better for folk where you can, but also recognising that Scottish Parliament hasn't got the, the powers to really transform things. Um, so, yeah, no, it's a bit of, a bit of a balancing act. Do you think it's changed a little bit or like your approach to any to Westminster has changed a little bit since Rishi Sunak tried to what successfully vetoed one of your mm -hmm. one of your laws that you were trying to put through? Do you yep. think like that kind of monumental moment when that power was first used? Mm -hmm. Do you think that's kind of changed how you approach everything? No, actually, because in many respects, it proves it's right. Right. You know, and that it, it doesn't feel good because it's it's horrible things that are happening. <laughs> um, but. Like we've always said, particularly when the Internal Market Act came on, we're like, this is riding a like a coaching horses right through devolution. This is just taking a bulldozer uh, everything that we spent the last 20, 30 years building. Mm. Um, so it, it it wasn't a surprise to us when they start using it. And if anything, it actually just shows how this union functions. It, for all the talks that we've got, you know, the most powerful devolved parliament in the world with the flick of a pen, a prime minister that nobody in Scotland voted for can undo that, um, yeah. which is just ridiculous. Like, how can you claim to be defending democracy and devolution when you're literally legislating a backdoor to just dismantle everything? And so. certainly when the money levers are being pulled in Westminster mm -hmm. as well, that is like, you're, you're basically at the disposal of Westminster. Yeah, so. absolutely. Absolutely, because it's... It, that's fundamentally why I'm I support independence because I just think politics is unpredictable and life is unpredictable. That's why it's important that you get governments you vote for because more importantly, when they don't deliver, you can get shot at them. You know, Scotland's not voted Conservative since 1955, and yet for the vast majority of folks' lifetimes, they've had a Conservative government. How is that democratic mm. in any shape or form? And it's something that. Certainly unionists still can't answer. Not another one! It's the Politics Show Pubcast.
SNP leader Stephen Flynn. Mr Speaker, on Sunday the Prime Minister patronised the public when he told them that in the face of ever-increasing mortgage bills that they simply need to hold their nerve. What a nerve. So may I ask him, the near billionaire, when was the last time that he struggled to pay a bill? Mr Speaker, the reason that mortgage rates are rising is because of inflation, Mr Speaker. That is the root cause, which is why it's absolutely the right policy to tackle halve inflation and reduce it back to target. Now, that does mean that we do have to make difficult decisions. It does mean we have to be patient while the impact of those decisions actually has an impact. But in the meantime, Mr Speaker, as I was explaining previously, we are taking practical steps to support mortgage holders across the United Kingdom, particularly through the SMI scheme and the new mortgage charter. Stephen Flynn. Mr Speaker, that answer confirms what we already know, that this Prime Minister is out of touch and the Tory party is soon to be out of time. And what the public really want is change. But in a week where the Conservative Party and indeed the Labour Party both refuse to accept proposals for public sector pay rises, whilst at the same time accepting the economic damage of Brexit, is it not the case that Westminster does not offer the people real change nor real hope? For the future. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mr. Speaker, just, the honourable gentleman just exposes the key, complete economic illiteracy of the SNP's position. The, the, the first, his first question, his first question talks about the uh, talks about the challenges posed on ordinary families by higher interest rates caused by higher inflation. What does his next question do? Support a policy that would increase government borrowing and make the situation worse. Mr Speaker, it just demonstrates completely candidly why the SNP's approach to economic management is simply not fit for anyone in the United Kingdom. Right, so when do we think the last time was that Rishi Smack couldn't pay a bill? (laughs) This is a man who had to get shown how to use a contactless car. (laughs) He's staying his bills. Uh, yeah. The one thing we know about him is that like, he loves his peloton. He's like, do you remember that, that mug that everyone made a fuss of? The heated mug. It was like a 150 pound mug. Yeah. It, it was, yeah, it keeps the tea hot. Oh, this is like two or three years ago. This was like <laughs> when everyone's just learning about Rishi Sunak. For all I slag him, I'm kind of into that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, keeping it hot for the whole day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because apparently he's like quite a slow drinker of it or something like that. So he likes to. It's good. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, just having one cup of like, kind of congeals. Well, would you. What's going on with your hot drinks? Like, what would you milk. mean? It's congealing like, in there. Skin it's like the... fermenting within an if hour. You a, if you leave a cup of tea, it ferments. If the milk's old, maybe. Fair, I don't really drink tea very often. So <laughs> it <actually> shows. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually really miss the whole, like, this is nice to kind of see Stephen Finn talking about this again, because we've sort of forgotten that this is the Prime Minister who changed the entire water table so mm-hmm. that he could yep. heat his pool. Sorry, the national grid, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Absolutely extraordinary. Yep. Didn't he also have trouble filling up his car with petrol? Wasn't that another so thing? So he had, he had to be shown to do... No, no, it was he was using someone else's car. Oh, yeah. Do you remember? It, was a, it. it was just like a normal was it a Volkswagen or something like that. Yeah. They had to borrow. And you had <laughs> to open the petrol thing yourself. Yeah. <laughs> you, can, you can use this Tesla or thing there or whatever. Do you know, it's funny because I was talking to uh, my pal about this recently, how... The the sign of true wealth, like real proper billionaire stuff, is you don't wear a jacket because you're constantly <laughs> being 
like chauffeured about places it's out to one building. You don't need to think. I've never thought about it. Like that. planes, everything. Succession. Yeah, succession. Absolutely. Like New York in the winter. Yeah. yeah. Shirts rolled up. Yep. That's straight into the car. And I think Rishi Sunak falls into that That's category. That's so interesting because that reminds me of a theory that me and my friend had when we were at uni. Like mm-hmm. people used to turn up to le- uh, lectures or seminars or whatever and they'd be dressed in like like dirty, you know, jogging bottoms mm-hmm. or like, you know, just looking filthy like they just got out of bed. Yeah. And then we'd turn up looking like Prim and Popper. Like we'd mm-hmm. showered already and we were like, this is what actual rich people do. Uh-huh. But they just turn up looking in absolute state right. and they don't care. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they don't have to. Because they were getting Ubers to the, to the seminar hall. Yeah. That's what it was. Maybe. When Stephen Flynn is preparing for PMQs, he's, always, he's, he's quite a different figure from Ian Blackford. Mm-hmm. Ian Blackford, his questions went on a bit. Oh. <laughs> Famously, yeah. I think it's fair to say. So wh- how would you describe or how would you compare the two as like attitudes to Prime Minister's questions? So, well... I, I'm I'm a big fan of Stephen's style, um, just because kind of what I said earlier is it's very to the point. Mm-hmm. It's like I'm, I'm no messing about. We're talking about folks' lives here, and for all the like, one of my criticisms of Westminster is that it's it's a bubble into itself. Like it's got its own culture and its own traditions and all the rest of it. And it's like when you step into that chamber, it's a theatre, and everybody is there to perform mm-hmm. and. A lot of the time it shows and what works in the chamber, in the room, doesn't necessarily like hit a, strike a note with the public. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So for me, Stephen's kind of similar to myself, I think, where he's just, I've got something to say and you're going to listen to that kind of thing. And, uh, you know, that's it. And even today, actually, his question, sometimes it's, you can tie yourself in knots trying to find an angle that nobody else has found or ask something they won't expect. Sometimes you just need to ask the straightforward stuff. Like, it, it, it's not difficult. We've got a billionaire prime minister telling other folk to hold their nerve. You know, you're just yeah. going to have to mm. suck it up and not get a pay rise. And you're just going to have to accept that food prices are through the roof, that you can't afford your rent, that you'll just need to suck it up. What does this guy know about anything <laughs> what does he know about real life and yet he's the one making decisions well, so that... he knows how to conserve a cup of tea that's that's, uh... <laughs> that's the height be... yeah <laughs> maybe we should be listening to this guy <laughs> there has been quite like a, a more obvious i think split or faction between you and the labor party mm-hmm. over the particularly over the last couple of months i think it was more subtle at the beginning of the year mm-hmm. and now you're kind of out and out going you know talking about how sakir starmer has not got the mm-hmm. interests of working class people in his, you know, any of his pledges or any of yep. his policies. I mean, how is that split looking? What, what is it? Do you know what? Is there anything that you agree on at the moment, would you say? Eh, uh, <laughs> or distaste for Tories. Yeah. <laughs> probably about it. Because th- th- this is kind of my, my problem with the, the Labour Party, particularly under Sir Steer, uh, Sir Keir, is... The- Don't call him Keith. That's the only <laughs> one you can't call, <laughs> call him. Don't call him Keith. Uh-huh. Uh, no, it's because when you look at the big issues, Labour are in the same place as the Tories. You know, when it comes to U-turns, when it comes to cuts, when it comes to austerity, when it comes to immigration, when it comes to Brexit, when it comes to devolution and how they're going to respond to the Scottish Parliament, they're all exa- they're the same. They're, they're singing for the same hymn sheet. And, you know, the irony to hear... Labour and particularly Starmer talking about, you know, people want change, people want change. 
what are you going to change? Mm. Like, it, so far the pitch seems to be, we won't be them. Like, and that's it. It's just, oh, we're going to keep doing the same things, but just a, a bit better. Like, that's not mm. what people need just now. They need radical, radical change. They need this entire system to change how it deals with ordinary people because the other ones are suffering. Because yeah. it's a risky move as well, isn't it? I mean, breaking away from the other large opposition. I mm. mean, you know, if you're not kind of acting in coalition, yeah. it's very difficult to block any Tory bills that might to be To be fair, through. though, the offer of working together, certainly in my experience, has always been there from the SNP. It's right. Labour that go, oh, we don't want anything to do with you. No, no. And, and I mean, that's a, their choice, but I don't think it does them any good at all because when you're facing the kind of governments that we've seen over the last decade, we should be united on a lot of things, you know, for being the official opposition. They don't do a lot of opposing. Mm. Um, and that's been our biggest gripe with them is it often feels like we're a better opposition than they are because the the number of times they've abstained or voted with the Tories on things is shameful. Yeah, shameful. I think abstaining is probably one of the most egregious things that you can do in Parliament for me personally because mm-hmm. I just think that's just that's just like being nothing. It's yeah. like you know, I like have an opinion yeah. on the bill. See, because it's this also kind of frustrates me as well with how Parliament actually functions because, like, see even see if my flight's cancelled and I can't make a vote, it, I get put down as abstained. Mm. You know, or if someone's ill, that can be a abstained and then equally other times it's a totally principled thing where they're going right I'm I'm not supporting that um, so it, like there's different there's nuance uh, in terms of how you read votes but fundamentally yeah I what think what just like happened stuff, there was in case yeah. anyone goes to check your voting record <laughs> you've made you've laid it down I was on a flight <laughs> it was principled I, I'm saying this it happened about two weeks ago really offence <laughs> the vote because uh, the BA flight get cancelled, but yeah, name them, name them, <laughs> <laughs> sort your app out as well. Fucking democracy. Get <laughs> married that self-eating mug <laughs> and the black card for BA. Uh, I just wanted to touch on there. You mentioned or were you talking just just there about um, you notice like a, a more heat towards the Labour Party. <laughs> is that in tandem? I'm going to be cynical. Is that in tandem with a resurgence in the polls for Labour in Scotland? Uh, yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, kinda because I, th- in my experience, and even when I'm chatting doors just now, folk aren't voting Labour because they believe in Labour. It's because they're so sick of the Tories. And to me, I, I, like Labour should be running away with it just now, considering not just the horrific policies, but also the incompetence of consecutive prime ministers and consecutive Tory governments. Um, so I understand that what drives folk uh, certainly seems to in the upcoming election is just basically anti-Tory mm. and that's where I think it's important for us to highlight to folks that well if it's anti-Tory that you're wanting and anti-everything the Tories stand for you should be aware that they're not that different right now Yeah. Like, and again as I say if you're wanting radical change Starmer's not offering it so it's a balancing act again mm-hmm. um, and uh, I think it's quite right to point out Labour's failures and where we're stepping into a space that they should be occupying frankly I'm always hesitant when MPs talk about what they hear on the doorstep because that could be anything do you know what I mean uh, like, you know like it, it <laughs> yeah. just kind of fits in but no the MRP polling like the, 
recent polling that's the most accurate polling mm. would suggest that that is exactly where people are turning yep. to Labour. It's just it's just against Tories. There's mm. no particular policy that people are picking yeah. up on with. Well, if, even if there was, it would be abandoned the next day. Well, that's, oh, that's oh, the other thing. Sorry, that's true. It's <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, the green stuff that they, uh, the, the incredible. Rent, rent control like, today. Yeah, yeah, rent controls, I know. But never today. Even public sector as well. Well, I like that they keep doing over like the quite good shadow front benches. Like Ed Miliband <laughs> had that like entire climate change brief. Yeah. He was so excited about it. Yeah. And they completely just and blow he was out. Good at it as well. He, he was. was. He well, yeah, could fix anything. And then Lisa Nandy's just out there trying to get rent controls in towns because that's what she likes. Just towns, though. Make every city a town. Yep. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. It's the Politics Show podcast. Christopher O'Brien. Thank you. Uh, the Prime Minister has had responsibility for the UK economy now for 1,323 days, and he's delivered. He's delivered the largest national peacetime debt ever, the largest tax burden since the Second World War, the highest core inflation since 1991, the fastest interest rate rises since 1989, and the biggest fall in living standards in our history. So will he stop lecturing my constituents about holding their nerve, ditch the lame excuses and admit that he is literally the worst person to be leading this country through a cost of living crisis? So is Rishi Sunak good at the economy? No. Great. Next. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's quite strong from Chris Bryan, isn't it? I suppose He's raging. He looked like furious. Furious. Yeah. I mean, he does also, he does know to get the clip. He does yeah. know that. There has been yeah, a... He's a good performer. Yeah. There's, 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 there's MPs who we kind of think are like, you're doing this for it. Yeah. You're doing this for the clip. For the clip. It's when, it's when like MPs get like kicked out. They do. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> that, that's <laughs> the logic. <laughs> the DMs. The DMs after like anyone has like oh, been yeah. speaking and you get like a clip behind, I've just spoken in Parliament. You go to watch it and you're like, why are you, why are you crying? <laughs> she, <laughs> she what I find so cringy and... I mean, I've sometimes been guilty of it myself, is, see, any politician, after they speak, you'll see them, they go on their phone, and what they're doing is looking up, like, is anybody talking about me? Nice. Did, did anybody nice. see it? What's the response? Like, <laughs> yeah. just sitting Googling themselves, like, <laughs> over your shoulder, okay. That's why you're doing it, that's why you're an MP for the Twitter numbers. <laughs> yes, Good maybe night. that's what Neil Parrish was doing. There'd be a better excuse. <laughs> yeah. How is that video I put myself? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, th- I think what Chris Bryant 
is doing is it's good to remember that Rishi Sunak isn't just a new prime minister who's only been present since yeah. when was that? No- October, November. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was part of Boris Johnson's government yep. for co- since just before COVID. Yeah, and has overseen overseen just a dreadful. Economy. He's been a fundamental part of the last ten years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely. I am always fascinated by whenever we talk about the economy and we we, we just we, we kind of just trace it back to Liz Truss and we just say like, well, if she hadn't tanked yeah. the economy, we wouldn't be in this issue. And it's like every single like moment from the past 12 years at least, if not, you know, probably actually more like mm-hmm. 2005, has just been leading up to this moment. There's been wage stagnation. Yep. Automation has been introduced into the economy. Globalization. Yep. Nothing has been done to expand the UK's economy or look at growth and suddenly we're like what's going on yep <laughs> but that, that, this is also again where I I'm astounded that neither the Tories or Labour want to talk about Brexit because mm. yeah. like, it's staring everybody right in the face that Brexit is a big part of why things are so shit just now. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. there's, there's no other way to put it and until we start wrestling with that then it's, it's, we're, we're on that decline and it doesn't show any sign of slowing. But you've got an easy way out mm-hmm. because in Scotland you can just and say, well, you know, yeah, we didn't want it. <laughs> that's going really, that's that's going really well. That's our way out. Everyone's Scotland currently independent. No, that's not what I meant. I meant your argument yeah. for Brexit is just that, you know, we didn't want this and also it's like been, you know, mm-hmm. extremely harmful to the economy. Yep. And this is Westminster again dictating how it all works up mm-hmm. here. But if you are... Keir Starmer, mm-hmm. and you're trying to win back that I hate this phrase, but the quote-unquote yeah. red wall. Mm-hmm. Yep. What, what do you actually say? But that's where, again, my my criticism of Westminster politics and how it affects politics in England as a whole is it's in recent years anyway. Everything's been fought on slogans, and uh, you know, just what's snappy, what looks good, what mm-hmm. like that, the clips, all the rest of it, and that that's fine. But behind all that, you've got to have honest conversations with people and you've got to be, you can't treat folk like idiots. Mm. Like This idea that, you know, your ordinary punter doesn't understand the economy. Like, of course, you, there's experts everywhere, but on the whole, it's pretty straightforward. Like, folk will understand if you can explain and talk them through why you think what you think. And part of what the problem was in the 2016 Brexit referendum was just so much disinformation just getting flung out there and there's never been a sort of reckoning about that there's mm. never been an ownership of you were lied to and it it's not just a case of it was a bad idea in the first place but the evidence is there that this is making things worse so we need to revisit it and when it comes to folk who voted for Brexit I think it's also about trying to understand why they voted for Brexit because a lot of it was driven in my view was driven by racist dog whistles it was all anti-immigration well you're being part of the EU is much more than just talking about immigration like this is our trade this is international global partnerships why would you want to distance yourself from that mm. if that makes sense but the problem is though is that because it's so steeped in ideology that's mm. that's it well actually it's very prevalent to the clip we're about to talk about because it's now happening with the trans movement mm. it's becoming this sort of this idea that is so 
hyperbolized and hyped up that it's actually kind of bigger than us. Mm -hmm. There's no sort of rational discussion mm -hmm. of Brexit and there's no rational discussion of trans. So yep. Get out of my pub! It's the Politics Show podcast. The tweet that is referred to says that um, several Conservative members voted against the motion and in support of the grooming and mutilation of children. Now, I think that that is incitement. Yeah. It is incitement, I would suggest, towards violence against Conservative members and members of this side who voted against the motion today. Um, I think it's probably also actionable. And if any of the honourable members on the Conservative side want to pursue that course of action, I would stand with them. Do you want to explain the bill, Eva, that they're talking about, if you can? The yeah, bloody hell. You could have... <laughs> <laughs> I can, so you're going to do it. Um, yeah, so it was an opposition day debate yesterday wasn't it mm -hmm. um and it was andrew bridgen was, <laughs> fuck. Fuck. Yeah. um andrew bridgen was presenting his uh, new gender and parental rights bill essentially andrew bridgen has crossed over and he's no longer a conservative mp he's now with lawrence fox's reclaim party and part of being in that is the main point seemed to be anti-covid lockdown anti-trans uh, <coughs> um and but well and anti-woke that's the yeah, other one isn't generally it generally anti-wokeism and so this bill was basically arguing that teachers should be allowed to out children who have said that they might have some kind of con uh, questions over their gender mm. or how they're you know they might be experiencing gender dysphoria um and then in result to that mps were allowed to vote on it and it was thrown out all right yeah, <laughs> yeah very well it, it, it seems it seems bizarre that they're even that they're having I suppose if Andrew Bridgen hadn't done this, they wouldn't be debating in Parliament. Like Andrew Bridgen is like the mechanism to it. But the language around trans rights, around LGBT, LGBT rights in general, is to my mind becoming more and more regressive mm -hmm. and it's becoming quite more dangerous. Like, actual. Yeah, sorry. I was going to say that that key line, that gen uh, mutilation, genital yeah. mutilation, that, that's the sort of language he was right. using yesterday. And it's so out of whack mm -hmm. with what we're actually talking about here. But it's also, see, when he's talking about, like, uh, and, and to be fair, the Tory party and the Prime Minister seem to also support this idea that parents should always be informed, mm -hmm. um, regardless of what the child wants about any, as you say, any questions that they have or anything. Can you imagine if one of Lawrence Fox's wins are trans? This is a guy putting videos of, videos of himself burning the pride flag. Mm. Like, do you think that wins in a safe home? Mm. If you have just decided, I know, but the parents should know. Some parents are idiots. Yeah. <laughs> when it comes to this stuff, there's, there's no getting around it. And ultimately, it's got to be about, if you're serious about keeping Wayne safe, then you need to listen to the experts. And for the last hundred years, but even just the last 20 years, we've come on leaps and bounds with recognising just accept people when they tell you who they are. Mm. Like, that's it. Be supportive. In fairness to him, we can't confirm or deny whether the children are in his house. Well, we don't know. He sees them. Yeah, we don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, were you in the chamber for that yesterday or did you did you see bits of it? No, no, I've seen clips of it, but... Uh, like, but Parliament's had a lot of these sort of bills over mm. the last few years coming through or Westminster Hall debates on, you know, it's, it's all the usual dog whistles, you know, that were perverts and pedos and grooming children and all the rest of it. And, like, it, it always amazes me, particularly the likes of Andrew uh, Princeton when they say they're anti-woke. Because what does woke mean? 
to me, woke means being sound. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. being a nice person, trying actively trying not to be an arsehole. That's what woke means. Like, why would you be anti-woke? I don't understand how that's a like a credible basis for any kind of political movement. Like, does it worry you that kind of language sort of bleeding into the chamber? Because yep. that is like oh, totally. parliamentary. Yeah, time oh, it's terrifying. Terrifying, and I mean, as a lesbian myself, obviously, I'm. It, it hits closer to home than it does other folk, and certainly, I I, I feel like I've been, you know sounding the alarm, the warning alarms for at least since 2016 because I've seen this stuff coming. You ask anybody in the queer community, we've seen this coming down the line and it is slowly, bit by bit, our worst fears are coming true because suddenly you've got newspaper articles, all the rest of it, like inundated with articles about trans people and, you know, the, the, the trans movement and all the rest of it and how aggressive it is and such like and it's nonsense it's absolute nonsense and at no point do they ever ask a trans person like it it, it upsets me so much that we talk about trans people in such a politicized way and we don't even invite them to be part of the conversation like that in itself is the problem you have to listen to folk when they're telling you what their experience is um so yeah, I, I think it's definitely getting worse and it's scary, definitely. How does it make you feel then when members of your party are mm-hmm. anti-trans? Oh yeah, no, it's horrifying. I, I really struggle with it. Um, you know, but ultimately people are responsible for their own views and for what they say. Um, but I, I've been, like put it this way, I, I'm very proud of the fact that when we get elected, the SNP... <laughs> had so many gays in it. <laughs> we made Parliament, one of the gayest Parliament, I think the gayest Parliament in the world. And out of all my queer colleagues, like 99% of them are nothing but supportive, you know, and so well, I, I, take, I take pride in the, the support. Yeah. Is that is that us? Is that PMQ's reaction to it? Yeah, yeah, good. Excellent. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. No, cheers. Thank you. Thank you, Eva. Thank you. Until next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.